Hello and welcome. My name is Deborah Harvey and I'm a partner in the energy team at Osborne Clark. Understanding the hydrogen market and its role in the journey to net zero is becoming increasingly important to businesses and organisations. The opportunity here is huge. The global hydrogen generation market is projected to be worth over $200 billion by 2025. We recently held a well-supported hydrogen in-depth webinar series. And during that series, we had the pleasure of Helena Anderson, the co-founder and COO of Ikigai Capital joining us to discuss developing and financing hydrogen projects. Ikigai Capital have recently been appointed to deliver a hydrogen investment strategy for the Thames Estuary and have some fascinating insights to share around this space. The following podcast has been taken from Helena's keynote speech recorded on the 13th of September. I hope you enjoy. So for those of you who don't know Ikigai, we do three things. We are a strategic advisor in uh, Net Zero Solutions. We also run a bankability accelerator for tech and we do co-development with our clients uh, of projects. We operate on a technology neutral basis. So hydrogen is just one of the areas in which we work. And I think that that is helpful because I'm gonna give you an unvarnished view on hydrogen. I'm not a hydrogen evangelist in that sense. Um, And in doing those three things, we focus on a very core set of clients and that is um, investors and operators of core infrastructure airports, ports, water, waste, and logistics. And we also work with a number of real estate clients on optimization of their portfolios for a net zero environment. And that means that we are kind of perfectly positioned to see the different ways in which uh, investments are being made into the hydrogen economy and the way in which the hydrogen ecosystem is developing. And I thought that perhaps I would share with you today three case studies that represent different lenses through which we look at the hydrogen opportunity. The first one is our work with Glasgow Airport. Glasgow Airport is part of the AGS airports group, uh, including Southampton Airport and Aberdeen Airport. We've been working with uh, Glasgow Airport uh, and the group now for nearly three years as their energy innovation advisor. And through that process, we've been helping them to define an entire sustainability strategy for uh, for the business. The focus at the moment, though, is on honestly one of the most exciting projects I've ever worked on in my life, um, having previously been in government and before that, uh, at uh, I was a lawyer for many years, a project finance lawyer for many years. And the reason why it's exciting is because it brings together all of the different tools that we have in our toolkit to try and deal with decarbonisation of one of the hardest to abate sectors, aviation. And the most important thing to realise about an airport when you're looking at it from a sustainability perspective is that it's, you know, people consider it to be a place that planes take off and land, but it's not actually. An airport is a business park. An airport is an enormous car park. An airport is a place where cargo moves in and out and therefore is a depot for logistics. Um, And so in that sense, you have to look at the different applications of, in this case, hydrogen and other low carbon fuels on a cross sectoral basis. So the first thing we do when we look at Glasgow through through the hydrogen lens, we say, what is the potential demand for hydrogen across all of the different users of the airport? 
So that means aircraft, obviously. IATA, the, the industry body for aviation, has very clearly said that they expect the pathway for short-haul aviation to follow hydrogen and possibly some electric, and that they are seeking to see the first commercial aviation, uh, hydrogen aviation, on a monofuel basis in the second half of this decade. We, are, we know that it will be possible on a, an island route basis, so quite short haul, up to 200 nautical miles, by 2025. And so at the moment, we are working with, as part of an application for a Scottish Innovation Fund, working with uh, Zeravia, one of the leaders in short haul hydrogen aviation, uh, to develop a project which will enable the refueling of hydrogen planes at, at uh, Glasgow Airport. And the second partner that we have in that tells you a, a bit about some of the challenges of that, and that is we're working with a solid-state storage company, one of the UK's brightest hopes as a, a national champion in hydrogen storage called H2Go, uh, as part of that consortium to deliver the storage solution that enables us to refuel the planes, but also to look at ground handling equipment airsides. So there's another potential application of hydrogen. Why is that an application for hydrogen in airports that we've seen all over the world, particularly in the US? It's because wherever you have high duty cycles, high frequency use of, of equipment, hydrogen comes into its own. It, it supersedes batteries because of the efficiencies uh, that you can gain from it in running uh, your operations. You're not stopping to charge effectively. So that's the air side equation, but it's even more exciting land side or surface side, as they say in the airport world, uh, because we may not be looking at passenger vehicles, that's most definitely in the EV charging world. But when you look at the heavier um, vehicles, uh, both heavy goods vehicles uh, for cargo and for um, uh, depots, logistics depots around the airport, and we look at buses, they're two of the most uh, suitable applications for hydrogen where there's not an obvious in the long term alternative fuel source that can compete. In the medium term, what we see is biomethane, um, bio-CNG, bio-LNG in the HGV world, and electric buses where the range of the buses is not so much of an issue. But if you're looking at traversing the, the Scottish Highlands uh, with electric buses, that's going to be a real challenge. So range extension through hydrogen is an opportunity. Um, and if you're looking ahead to uh, what is going to be the fuel of the future for heavy good transport, um, the challenge with, with biogenic sources of, of uh, fuel is that they are inherently limited. And so hydrogen is theoretically unlimited in terms of its production, whether that's from uh, biomass or from, uh, from uh, solar power, wind power. And so it, it has an incredibly important role to play in, in transport applications. So when we put all of those together in an airport, what it creates is an opportunity to apply hydrogen over a time scale. So to smooth out the demand profile for that hydrogen, which makes it a lot easier to finance the production element, the storage element, the distribution requirements, either from outside the airport in or at the airport itself. And the other important thing is airports usually in regional contexts have quite a lot of land, and that's certainly the case for Glasgow. So at the moment, we're developing an on-site solar project. Why is that important for hydrogen? Because we have to bring the cost of hydrogen down. And to do that, we need to eliminate distribution and transmission costs as much as possible. And we need to eliminate transport costs for a moving of the, the fuel from where it's produced. 
There are obvious advantages to scale, both in terms of bankability and cost. But what we're trying to do at Glasgow is create a security of supply uh, solution uh, so that we have hydrogen available at the airport at all times, irrespective of the wider supply opportunity. And we can produce it at the lowest possible cost because it's being produced by private wire from solar. So this is the medium term plan for the airport um, as part of a phase strategy. And I think it's going to be one of the most exciting projects in the UK simply because Glasgow is literally the only airport in the country that can do this alone. Uh, all of the other airports require being part of a network solution, whereas Glasgow, because it serves the islands, they can do it on their own. I've kind of outlined here a number of the things that come up in the last two case studies that I just want to briefly mention. Um, we are currently working with Coca-Cola HBC in Italy. That is the European bottling company for Coca-Cola, covers multiple jurisdictions, but we're starting with a landmark project in Italy where we have been engaged by Coca-Cola to support their hauliers, their four major hauliers, to decarbonise their operations. Why? Because Coca-Cola is not only concerned about scope one and two emissions, they're also concerned about their scope three emissions, the primary cause of which are their hauliers. And so we've been working for the last uh, six months in understanding the vehicle requirements of those hauliers, the route requirements of the hauliers, the other hauliers that use the same areas in order to optimise the location of refuelling infrastructure, and we're now also working on uh, supplier engagement on behalf of those hauliers with a view to aggregating the demand for vehicles, which is so critical to scaling up the capacity to supply hydrogen HGPs. And the last case study I want to mention, I think many of you will have heard of, uh, we are appointed as the advisor to the Thames Estuary Growth Board, which is the uh, board that has been appointed by Westminster to take responsibility for green growth in the estuary. It covers 19 local authorities and it's a public private sector board. And we have been developing the hydrogen route map, uh, hydrogen ecosystem route map and investment plan for the estuary over the past year. Um, it's an incredibly complex exercise, as you might imagine, but it basically boils down to where is the optimal demand for hydrogen? So that means hydrogen in its best applications. Um, so that's high temperature heat, uh, heavy transport applications primarily. Um, and in the estuary, it's very different from the rest of the country. It's not heavy industry led, it's very much distribution logistics and connectivity led, which means it's focusing on the applications of hydrogen in ports, in airports, in uh, distribution and logistics, uh, and in a small number of very high temperature heat applications in the food and beverage industry and pulp and paper. Um, and so we've broken the estuary up into 10 or so demand-led clusters and we're now working with the private sector to pull in the capital and to uh, make various production, uh, storage, distribution and use projects uh, bankable in order to catalyse that private sector investment. <laughs>